Good morning. morning. Do you speak English? (laughs) So you'll forgive my accent, I hope. I guess I have two impediments this morning. My accent, and uh, sometimes my brain moves faster than my lips will move legibly, audibly. And and my wife often sits on the front row. And I am just so excited this morning. What worship. What worship, just to enter into the presence of the Lord. And there are two things that, that I feel like the Lord's laid on my heart before I even go to the Word. Um, and I, I'll say, first of all, that I believe there's something very special in uh, your name, Lifeline. And the picture the Lord gave me late last night, I guess it was, or early, sometime yesterday. Uh, you know when, when, there's, when ships go out to rescue they, they, if they find someone floundering in the, in the water, they'll, they'll shoot a line out with a, one of those boy kind of, you know, round kind of deals, lifesaver kind of things. And uh, rather than try to dive in after the person where you could obviously flounder yourself, there's, there's, you shoot that line. And that's, that's the picture the Lord gave me for life line. And... Uh, I just want to encourage you that I believe there's something very prophetic in the, in, the, in the name the Lord's given you. You're a lifeline to uh, the lost, to the perishing. You're a lifeline to the community. You're a lifeline to the nations. And I just want to encourage you, be a lifeline. There's something very powerful in that name. And, and uh, let the Lord just minister his power through it. Amen. Amen. And uh, the second thing is that I just have this sense... And I, can, I guess I'll give this to the leadership, Pastor John, the rest to, to just evaluate. I, I believe there's a sense in my spirit that you're in already. In fact, we're, we're moving through a period of transition. Um, it's, and, and the picture I saw was like a, uh, a circular kind of a deal with, with different scenes on it. And, and it was like the, the, the thing was turning in this circle and a new scene was appearing. And uh, the, the sense of the Lord's word for me, from me, for me was... The face may be changing, but the foundations are not. The face may be changing. What, what lifeline looks like may be changing. But don't be alarmed because the foundations are very solid, very strong, and they will not change. And I just want to encourage you not to be nervous, that, uh, that it, particularly in this particular season, I guess it's an ongoing thing probably, but particularly in this, this season, that is the face of what you look like and I don't know whether, how, how that applies directly. I'm sure, again, you, you'll, you'll figure that out. But don't be alarmed. Uh, the Lord has great foundations that have been laid here, and he's building on them strongly. Praise the Lord. Turn with me, if you will, please, in your Bible uh, to the book of Exodus chapter 13, 33. Exodus 33. And I'll read from verse 1. Exodus 33, verse 1. Let me set the scene. Israel has uh, been released from the bondage of Egypt and begun their journey through the, uh, the wilderness and come to Sinai. It's an amazing picture of what God does in our lives personally, how he takes us out of the bondage of Egypt and brings us miraculously into life, but often takes us through some struggles in the process. And uh, the Bible tells us they've, that they've come to Sinai, this, 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 this amazing mountain, and the Lord instructs the people through Moses to prepare themselves for the manifestation of the presence of God, the glory of God. And that's what's on my heart this morning. I want to talk about how presence distinguishes. And uh, the instructions were actually pretty clear. Wash your clothes, set a barrier so no animals can come close to the mountain. 
Get ready because the power, the presence, not the, the, the presence of God is coming to this mountain. And those of you who know the story will know that, that, that supernaturally is exactly what happens. There's an earthquake. I mean, put your imagination on it for a moment. Can you imagine? I mean, probably 7 million people. There's different estimates of the numbers, but 7 million people gather around this mountain, and they have no idea what to expect. I mean, they've been slaves for generations. They've not even had a building, a, 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 a hall like this to meet in. They, they've been slaves for generations. And now they're, they're in the tabernacle of, 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 of all creation. And God's going to bring his presence visibly, audibly right in front of them. The mountain begins to shake. There's fire. There's, there's thunder. There's lightning. Smoke appears on the top of the mountain. And, and, and you know, we talk about the presence of God in a, a number of different ways, don't we? The literal presence of God comes to that mountain. And, uh, and the, the response of the people is, is uh, I would say, a disappointment. Because the Bible tells us, basically what they said to Moses was, Moses, this is just too much for us. It's too awesome. You go find out what God wants. Come back and tell us. We'll do everything God says to do. But please don't let this happen again. And, uh, and this couple of verses in chapter 33 are basically the response. Chapter 33 of Exodus, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on the oath of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give this to your descendants. And I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. When in doubt, they're all ites. That's pretty good so far, isn't it? Did you catch that little thing there in the beginning, though? Leave this place and you and your people that you brought out of Egypt. The land I promised, I'm going to send an angel before you. Verse 3. Verse three Go to the land filling with, filled with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people and I will destroy you on the way. You know, I'm trying to imagine again. My, my mind is, wow. I mean, what, what, what was, it must have gotten really quiet. In other words, God's saying, I'll bless you. I'll give you the land I promised. I'll even send an angel before you. But I'm not going with you. And, of course, Moses, you can imagine, is alarmed, and he immediately leaves and goes to the tent of meeting. There's this tent that's been set up outside the, the, the main area of the, of the, of the uh, encampment, a place where he meets with God, and apparently on a regular basis. And there's, there's even this manifestation of presence on the tent. When he goes in, everyone kind of turns that way and watches, and, and, he, and, he, and he intercedes. And, and I'll just jump down to verse 33, perhaps take time this afternoon to read the entire passage. It's, it's, it's amazing. Exodus 33, 13. And Moses prays this way. Lord, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember this nation is your people. He's reminding the Lord. Remember, remember we read earlier in verse 1, the Lord said, these people you brought out of. Almost saying, I don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. This is your problem, Moses. And Moses says, oh, no, no, no. These are, these are your people. Remember this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence 
will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So, so my big idea is pretty simple. God's presence is found in his ways. God's presence reveals his glory, and that glory transforms whatever it touches. And, and I, and I want to develop that by looking at these couple of verses. Back to verse 33 for a moment. Um, I guess the question is, uh, and, and I, I, I suspect it's, it, it's, it's one of those questions we should ask ourselves regularly, all the time. What will distinguish me? What makes me, what is my reputation? What, 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 what do people say about Lifeline? About you as members of, of the congregation, of, as, as believers, as disciples of Jesus? But maybe it's a decision, one of those kind of questions that needs to be asked at particular times as well, all the time. But I suspect there are particular times we need to re-ask the question, look at it more closely, and maybe if indeed uh, there is some sort of a transition taking place here in, 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 in the Lord's economy for you, this is a good time to ask the question, what, what makes Lifeline special? I mean, it's quite amazing. I get the privilege of traveling all over the world and, 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 and visiting, being a part of congregations in many different cultures and and uh, I will say I've never seen two congregations that are even remotely similar. Uh, it's quite an amazing thing. Each has its own very real character and nature, spiritual DNA, if you will. And, uh, and I guess I want to ask you. I, I wish I had time to, to sit with maybe four or five of you at a time, just you know, in your living room or somewhere, and just ask, what, what, what drew you? What, why is it that you're here this morning? Why are you part of Lifeline? What, what is it that drew you? And I, I suppose I would meet get a lot of different kinds of, very personal answers, I suspect, as to how this congregation, these, these, these folks have met very real personal needs in their life. And, and, and then I want to ask the question in, in a more corporate sense, what is it that will distinguish Lifeline Church from all the other peoples on the earth? And, and, and I hope that Moses will inspire you. Moses says, Lord, let your presence distinguish you distinguish us and in verse 13 in particular he says if you are pleased with me teach me your ways that i may continue to find favor with you and i must say i've i i've read this passage over and over for many many years it's been an inspiration to me um and it was only about about a year and a half ago that as i read the passage again studying it for for, for a particular purpose that I, that I i discovered this verse isn't it the, the amazing thing about the word of god we read it over and over, we read the same things, and every time we read it, there's something new that, and it's fresh to draw out of it. And that's exactly, I saw that word, teach me your ways. And uh, I needed to understand better what, what, what Moses was praying. Why, why did Moses pray when he's, when he's asking for the presence of God to go with them? Please don't leave us here in the wilderness to go on our own. Sending an angel is wonderful. The promise is wonderful, but we want you to go with us. Teach me your ways. And, and uh, I discovered this word ways in the Hebrew. It's, as you might guess, Hebrew is often, actually a much richer language than our language. And, uh, and many times there's, there's, there's diversity of meaning. And this word actually has two different meanings, if you will, to it. The first one, it really is like a path. Show me your path. And the second one is really, really more, a little more profound. It's, it's more like show me the way you do things. What are your manners? What are your habits? They, they tell me that as, as couples 
who have lived together, been married for many years, get older and, you know, the 10 years becomes 20 and 20 becomes 30 and 40. They, they actually begin to sound a bit alike. Does that happen in the UK? And, and, and he answers the questions before she finishes asking them. I do that often, but I get the wrong answer because I don't listen to the question first. <laughs> There's a thing, isn't it? As relationships grow, we begin to know and understand people. The unspoken language often communicates much more than even the spoken. And I, that's, that's what I think, that's what I'm convinced, in fact. Um, Moses is, is talking. Lord, I, it's, it's the psalmist. I looked at Psalms 20, 25, verse 4. Show me your ways, O Lord. Lead me in your paths. Interesting, again, they're, they're, they're completely different words. The first word, ways, there is the one we had here from Exodus 33. It's the, it's the dual thing. Show me the pathway. I want to walk with God. I want to walk with God. It's, it's, it's amazing to walk with God, to be in the right place at the right time. Nick and I had uh, coffee yesterday at the corner. Anyone ever been to the corner before? You don't know what you're missing if you haven't been there yet. That's, a, that's the plug for today. And as we walked in the door, there was a man sitting there that Nick needed to, to meet who remembered Nick, and, and a conversation ensued, and, and, and the glory was there. I want to be in the right place at the right time. I want to follow the Lord. But I also want to be in that place where, where God doesn't have to beat me in the head every time he wants to talk to me. Shake me. Listen to me, Terry. <laughs> I want to be in that place where I know his ways, that, that, that I understand how he works, revealed, obviously, by the Spirit, by the Holy Scriptures, it's not something I'll ever understand in the, in the natural. Um, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, verse 6. So really what Moses is praying for is, Father, heaven, Almighty God, show me Jesus. He doesn't understand that at this point, but that's really what he's praying. He's praying, Lord, show me Jesus, because Jesus shows us God. When I, when I walk with Jesus, when I recognize that it's Christ in me, who is the hope of glory. Interesting how we do this, isn't it? We, 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 we pray, we close our eyes as though that makes a difference. I guess it does sometimes. Less distraction when I close my eyes. And then we look up <laughs> as though God was up there somewhere. Of course, the Chinese are looking up as well, which means they're looking in the opposite direction. And somehow God figures that all out, doesn't he? Because God somehow is much bigger than just up there and down there. And, and, and all of that, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2, verse 20. Uh, well, we could dig into that one for hours, couldn't we? What's, what's Moses talking about? Lord, show me your ways. And, and my simple point is this. When you find the ways of God, as you, as you, as you find the ways of God, this is the amazing thing about I love culture. I've had the privilege of studying culture at several levels over the years academically. And, and this, this the demonstration of the creativity of God that's given to us in all the different cultures around the world. And, and uh, I learned very early, living in Zimbabwe a number of years ago, that I, I would never be effective in ministry if I didn't understand something about the culture. And I'd have to learn some of the language before I could even understand the culture, because their language communicates culture. Does, does all that make sense? It's, it's, it's an ongoing process, is my point, that I'll, I'll never finish. And it's kind of that way with God. When I pray, Lord, show me your ways. It's this, this ongoing revelation process. God, I want to know you and know that you're in me and that I walk with you and, and you with me. And, and in the process, something changes. Something, your glory is demonstrated. That, that's my second, my second thought. 
as Moses prays, he, he's, 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 he's impacted by the power of God, the presence of God, the presence of God, bringing his glory with him. Um, it's interesting again how, 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 how we grow through these things. I mean, I came into the things of, of the Holy Spirit when I was a teenager. I was raised in a, in a, a denominational church, actually, and I, I believed in God all my life. Uh, and the first time I walked into this kind of church, I must confess, it, it scared me. Um, because as a teenager, I knew everything. And I certainly knew everything about God. And I'd never felt anything like I felt when I walked in that building that day. So I knew it couldn't be God. You follow the teenage logic there, I'm sure. And so I assumed it must be something evil, to be quite honest with you. I thought it must be some kind of voodoo or witchcraft because I, I felt something when I walked into that. When they began singing and, and, and singing, they, they kept singing between the songs, kind of like you did here this morning. I felt something. And, 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 and of course, I know now that was the presence of God. The, and, and, and it's even hard to describe it. The glory of God was present in that place at that moment. And, and, and in fact, I, I went, when I went back home that, 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 that morning, I, I asked my parents. They were, very, they were visiting a couple different churches because our, our, our home church had gone through a pastoral change, and the new pastor didn't believe in anything. He, he believed in everything. And, and they recognized that we needed to do something about them. But I appealed to my parents. I said, Mom, Dad, can I just walk? Because that church was only about a mile from my house. Can I just walk to church? You can go back to that place if you want. And yet within weeks I was, I mean, I think I'll go with you again. Because there's something about the, the presence of God that brings his glory. And his glory is, is attractive somehow, is it not? It, it draws us. It, 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 it radiates. It, it, it's again, even hard to describe, isn't it? I think the literal word of, for, for literal interpretation for glory is it's the weight. Um, so, so we talk about the glory of God. We talk about the weight of his presence. When we're entering into that spiritual place of praise and worship, even sitting in the car or, 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 or walking down, the, wherever we are, walking down the street, when we sense his, he's always with us, obviously. When we sense his presence, we become aware of his presence. Like, a, like another sense goes off, doesn't it? Something beyond the eyes and the ears and the, the natural senses that we, we feel the weight of his presence. And, 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 and that presence is, is powerful. Some years ago, I, I had the blessing of traveling with a, uh, our team to uh, Bulgaria for several, several different mission, mission trips and working with several churches there in Starzagora, Plovdiv, and Sofia, primarily the, the first two. And uh, several conferences, just amazing, amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I guess it must have been our second or third trip we, we were asked to, to come and do a conference at uh, this, this church in, uh, Stars, in, in, Plovdiv, in Plovdiv. And uh, kind of our habit over the years is we, we like to arrive to the place early, maybe two or three days early, and then spend those couple of days meeting the leadership, but then just spend the time praying and ministering to one another, ministering to the Lord. And uh, I guess the second or, second or day we were there, we were doing exactly that. We'd gone to the church building, to the, to the, to the hall, and uh, we're just, just in a time of prayer. And we learned later that as we were praying, the lady who cleans the church came to do her what she does. And she, she came to the door, and uh, I don't know if you can picture this, but she comes to the door, and she, she puts her hand on the doorknob to open the door. And as she does, the doorknob is so hot, physically hot, that she drops her buckets, sensing the presence of God. Somehow, supernaturally, heated that doorknob, drops her buckets, goes back into the neighborhood telling everyone, the power of God is coming to our church. 
You need to come tonight. We had no idea why, but that, that, that night when we got there, the place was packed. Uh, little balcony was packed as well, and, and this sense of expectation. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad we didn't know why. It was kind of neat, really, really. And uh, in fact, that night, I was, I was asked to preach that first night, and uh, as we were worshiping, I, I, I felt like the Lord had, had, had challenged me to preach from the Gospels where the story of Zachariah, uh, Zacchaeus, hiding in the tree. And uh, as we were worshiping, I felt kind of led to, to turn. I often will look at the congregation, see if the Lord shows me anything prophetically. And as I was, I, I, I saw a man sitting up in the balcony. And he was quite tall, so I thought maybe that's why I kind of, but I really felt like the Lord said, during your preaching, call him down. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Are you sure? Like, God needs to be reminded to be sure. Long story short, I, I did exactly that as I was preaching. When I got to that point where Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down. I pointed up to him. I said, Zacchaeus, come down. And I pointed right at him, and, and he looked. And, and in fact, several others around him said, Me? no, no, not you. <laughs> there was this moment of, of, of expect, like, like expectation, I guess you'd call it. And, and he, sure enough, he stood up, and he started Made his way down. I, I thought maybe he was leaving the building because he had to go out down a hallway to come. <laughs> this crazy guy from America calling me out. He surely came right down to the front, stood over on this side, in fact. I asked one of the other team members to pray for him while I continued to, to minister the word that was on my, on my heart. And, uh, and, and as John laid hands on him, not this John. There are many great Johns in the world. That's what I'm discovering. Um, as John, John laid hands on him, he began to tremble, like, almost like a leaf in the wind. <laughs> he stood there and shook for about 35 minutes. And I, I finished preaching the word. By the time I began to finish praying for other people, I, 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 never, I never even got to meet him that night. I learned later he was the former youth pastor who had gotten away from the things of God, had not been in church for several months, maybe a year or two. That was his first time back. Oh, <laughs> And the Lord was calling him, come down. <laughs> and from that day forward, he served the Lord. Became an active part of the church, resumed his ministry. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that when God's presence is among us, he manifests his glory. He reveals his glory. And his, his glory transforms. It changes things. That's, that's, that's really, I guess, my, my third point. The glory of God changes things. Just sense his presence even right now so strong. And I wonder, I wonder who was healed even while we were worshiping this morning. I suspect there were several who actually had physical healings as we were worshiping this morning. Because that's what God's presence does. It's not the pastor praying for you, not the believers. Of course we pray for people. I love praying for people. And the Bible says, if you believe, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But it's, it's that manifestation, that revelation of his presence that brings glory and glory that heals and is healing right now. I just had this strong sense as I was sitting here earlier that there were several of you suffering, struggling with deep, deep attacks of anxiety. Just this, these waves of, of, of almost uncontrollable fear come over you from time to time. And, and, uh, and uh, there's freedom in the, in the presence of God. Somehow you make it through when you find the glory. Can we just close our eyes for a moment right now? Yep. 
could I pray for you right now? If, you, if you've been suffering with anxiety, yes, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that your, your presence is with us right now. You're always with us. But these special moments when you manifest your presence, your glory among us. And I pray for hope right now. I don't understand why sometimes, Lord, you, you let the thing linger and we, we have to go on dealing with the battle, whatever it is. Maybe it is anxiety. But I understand fully that when your presence is there, we make it through with victory. And I pray for fresh hope for my brothers and my sisters who've acknowledged their, their need for you this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. You will overcome in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, let me say it this way. We, we, we become what we be, behold. What we, we become what we behold. So Moses goes back up the mountain, does exactly what the people say. Oh, okay, if that's what you want, I'll go back. He spends 40 days in the presence of God. The Ten Commandments, actually it's more like 366 commandments, I think it is. They said, you, you find out what God wants, come back and tell us, we'll do everything he says. We just, we say, Lord, we want your presence and everything you say. Because that's the ways of God. The ways of God are what he says we should do. We follow his ways. But we also want his presence. And the Bible tells us that when Moses returned off of that, that, that time of the presence of God, that, I mean, can you imagine it? He's walking off the mountain, met, first of all, by, by Joshua, who had been waiting for him, and then accompanied by Joshua back to the, I mean, I guess the leaders at this point are kind of desperate, like, what happened to Moses? And the Bible tells us that, <laughs> this is what the Bible says, his face glowed with the presence of God. In fact, it glowed so strongly that the scriptures say that the, 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 the leaders of Israel said, please put a bag, a sack, some, put, a, put a covering over you because we just can't handle this. I mean, can you imagine? I guess they, I guess they cut little eye holes in it. <laughs> Was there a little bit of light sneaking out in the process? <laughs> and, and as far as I can discern, maybe someone will get it for me, I can't find any time in scripture that that ever, ever left him. It was kind of interesting. He, he was... He was changed. Something about him changed biologically, chemically, if you will, even. Certainly spiritually, supernaturally. He glowed with the presence of God, at least for the, the time immediately after being in the... When, what you behold is what you become. When you spend time in the scriptures, they change you. When you spend time in meditation, it changes you. When you spend time in worship, it changes you. Something happens. When, when you spend time in the presence of God, there, there's... And I don't know that it's molecular or, or, or physical, but certainly something spiritual changes about you. And, you, and you, 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 you're changed. And, 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 well, this is where it really gets good. Here's what, here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says. And it's actually referring directly to this passage. It's kind of the, the New Testament equivalent or follow-up, if you will. It's like the Lord saying, well, you got that in Exodus 33, right? 34. Now, let me show you the update. The update is, but we all, verse, thir verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as from the Lord, the Spirit. He, he, he changes us. He, he, he makes us into new people, new creations in the process. And... And 
and people will notice the difference. And I'm not just talking about your testimony. I love these, one of these testimonies amazing this morning. It makes it tangible somehow. Yes, faith does work. I'm going to make it through in Jesus' name. But beyond that, he changes something about you in the process, not just what happens to you, but, but you in the process. And, 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 and Paul says later in 2 Corinthians 4, you have this, we have this treasure in jars of clay that the greatness of the power of God is not of us, but of himself. As you, as you move about, as you walk about in life, you're carrying the presence of God. You're hosting the presence of God. That's, that's what really separates us from, from the Old Testament, isn't it? Israel said, please, God, we, we don't want this anymore. We're saying, please, God, we want more of this. We want your presence. And, and, and let me say it this way. The, the, the man you go to work with that sits across the cubicle from you or the, or the one that sits on the bus next to you, or, or most people will find Jesus looking a lot like you. Most people out there who are looking for God will find him, that Jesus sounds a lot like you do and, and feels a lot like you do when they touch you because he's in you. He's, he's upon you. And even when you're not aware of it, there's something about you that goes well beyond the natural senses. That, is that getting too weird? Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> I'm sure it's fun. So... I'm thinking it must have been July or August last year. Um, our, our, our church buildings are located in the center of our city. There, it's a former movie theater and a, and a, a club, and, and uh, so they don't even look like church buildings. And uh, so we're surrounded by restaurants and that kind of thing. So, so after one of our Sunday morning meetings, I invited my wife and I invited a new couple to go to lunch with us. So we walked around the corner and went to a, a, a restaurant. We walked in, sat down, and a young lady. Uh, brings water to us, the hostess, on a tray, and as she sets the tray down, <laughs> a glass of water spills all over my friend. And, and he's no big deal. It's just water. She's, mort- she's, a, she's, she's terrified. Like, I've ruined my, my job. No, it's okay, honey. It's just fine. No, no big deal. It's just water. So she cleans everything up. They bring a mop and all that, and, and, and then we proceed. Another lady comes to serve us, the, 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 the waitress server, and, and orders our meal. But but all through the next 45 or 50 minutes or so, I just found myself drawn. I would see this young lady walking back and forth, taking other people to their chairs. And I just, I had this father kind of thing, I guess it was. Like, like I don't have any daughters. I have two sons. Uh, so I don't know exactly what it's like to have. I have a granddaughter. But even that's not the same, I guess. I just felt this, 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 this love for her. This, 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 I don't know how to say it other than that. I'm an American is speechless. Can you imagine? And... As we were kind of finishing our meal, she walked by, and I, I called her. I said, please, can we talk to you for a minute? She said, sure. She walked over, and she stood. Where, there are four of us, two, two, and she's standing at the table. And, and uh, I, I just said to her, I said, you know, I, I just wonder, is there anything we can pray for? Um, and she looked at me kind of, well, yeah, but kind of politely, I, I'll say. Yes. And, uh, and I said, well, what can we pray for? And as I said that, the Lord told me what we should pray for. And I said, well, can we pray for it? And she said, well, well, could you pray for my parents? That's not the real thing. (laughs) She's just trying to get rid of us. And I, I, now I've got to make that decision again. (sighs) Did I hear from the Lord? Am I crazy? Will she think I'm crazy? Will she be offended? And I've kind of learned when I'm in those moments just to ask myself, what's the worst thing that could happen if I take the next step forward? 
And probably the worst thing that could happen is she gets another glass of water and... <laughs> it was August. That's no big deal. I could live through that. So I looked at her. I said, I, I would love to pray for your, your, your parents, but I, I, I think that we're supposed to pray for you to go back to school. And her eyes got big. She actually she stepped back. I thought she was angry. <laughs> How did you know? And, and, and from my heart, I, I wasn't prepared. Because God loves you. And he talks to me about you. Really? <laughs> Can we pray? Of course. And she actually knelt down right at the table. <laughs> wow. You know, sometimes when I, when I say, can I pray for you, it means I'll pray for you later. <laughs> it was like this, this, this holy moment. Like this, 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 this curtain had been drawn. The, 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 the presence of God brings his glory, and his glory trans it changes the atmosphere. You're a host for it. We prayed for her. She stood back up, and she said, can I hug you? <laughs> and I got really nervous. <laughs> but my wife is a very good hugger. She was... <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm noting it was August last year because we've been back there several times. We see her on the street from time to time. She calls us by name. We, she runs to my wife. She hugs my wife. Hi, it's so good to see you. There's a relationship that's developed. Our, our circle of influence has now moved to a circle of trust. And, and, and little by little, there's a circle of ministry where we're actually able to impart something to her in the process because... because we're such wonderful people and so led by the Holy Spirit. Because the glory of God, his presence changes the atmosphere. And I guess that's, that's what I'd like to leave you this, with you this morning. Just, just a word of encouragement, a, hopefully a faith builder, that, that if indeed your heart is to be distinguished by the presence of God, that that presence will make a difference in your life, even when you're not aware of it. This, this, this amazing treasure that you're carrying. You, the, the scriptures say in, in 2 Corinthians 2.15, we are to God the aroma of Christ. Aroma, that's neat, isn't it? It's kind of hard to put a finger. What is aroma? <laughs> we are to God the aroma of Christ and among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. May we be that, Lord Jesus. There are people that sit next to you Sunday after Sunday, who need what you have. They need the aroma of hope that they're going to make it through the next week, that their bills are going to get paid, and they're going to get that rent, and they're going to get that house. That was real. Thank you for that testimony. That they're going to make it through the night hour, through that, that, that terror that comes from time to time, that, that their son or daughter is going to come back around, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you may well be the aroma of Christ to someone sitting you, with you right now. Someone, someone, as you walk out, may need the aroma of Christ that's upon you to impact them. Just to put your hand on their shoulder and say, can I pray for you? I, I think one of the burdens I carry is I'm convinced that every single Sunday there are people that walk into our congregation who walk back out never having anyone really say, can I pray for you? <laughs> because they, they're not going to come forward many times, isn't it? But then beyond that, we're the aroma of Christ to the perishing, to those around us who, who are, in many cases, probably already made up their mind that God doesn't even exist. There is no God. But somehow when, when they touch that spiritual, that supernatural part of, of the Holy Spirit who, who rests and resides upon you, the argument disappears in Jesus' name.
So I'm going to give the meeting back to John to close us this morning. But I like to, I like to say in the process, I'd love to pray for you. I, I love watching what God does when we pray together. It's kind of fun. Kind of scary, but kind of fun. And, uh, and I guess my question would be, I don't think I've shared anything particularly new this morning, but, but make it personal. What is the blockage? What is the, what is the obstruction? What's keeping you from walking in, in that presence that transforms others around you? St. John of the Cross talks about the dark night of the soul. There are these, these windows of time we go through in our spiritual walk where it just seems like God's presence has left us. Where are you, God? Not directly attached necessarily to something we've been praying for and there was no answer. I mean, those, those kind of things are, could be part of it. But just, I think all of us sometimes go through a period where, where we've somehow lost contact. We know he's there, but we don't know. And does that make sense at all to anyone? Uh, and I would love to pray for you, agree with you. I've learned a long time ago that when I'm struggling with my faith, I need to be around others who aren't struggling in faith. I want, I want something they have to rub off on me in the process. I don't want to go complain. You know, it's easy to find someone to complain to. Have you a little pity party? Oh, woe is me. No, no, I want to find someone whose faith is strong at that moment. And I, I wonder as well if there are some, and, and, and I'll just say the way I heard it, we're struggling with bitterness. By the way, there's no English, as far as I can discern, there's no American English word called unforgiveness. I'll have to check. The, is it Oxford Dictionary? What, what dictionary should I look at? I kind of stumbled on this a couple of years ago. I was preparing a, a teaching, and, and when I wrote unforgiveness in my, with my word processor, it had that red squiggly line underneath of it. So I separated the un, just to make sure I spelled forgiveness correctly. That was correct. When I put the un back on there, it, this dictionary's wrong. I went to Google, and you know what? The biblical word is, there's, the word unforgiveness is never used in the scripture. It's the word bitterness. Ooh. I kind of like unforgiveness better. <laughs> Sounds a little softer somehow, doesn't it? Bitterness kind of gets to the root of things, isn't it? And, and the reality is, when we hold things in our heart against others, it, it does limit the presence of God walk, working and walking, moving and, and flowing through us. And, and, and the good news is, I had this amazing experience a couple, couple of months ago with a, a new brother in the congregation. We met with him. He'd been struggling. He actually, actually had left during the middle of the preaching, which I'm glad no one did this morning. Thank you very much. <laughs> Came back later, and, and when I talked with him, he, he talked about how he'd been molested as a young child, and, and now the man who had done it had moved in next door, and he just hated this man, wanted to, wanted to attack him. And, 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 and we talked about forgiveness, and he said, but he hasn't asked me for forgiveness. And I said, the good news is he doesn't, you can forgive him even if he doesn't ask you. Really? His life has been completely changed. Set free. That's probably, probably close to a year ago now. Yeah, March, it would be a year ago. Forgiveness changes you, even if it doesn't affect the other person. And, and, and I wonder, what is it that's, that's keeping you from from resting in, from walking in, from, from basking in that, that wonderful presence of God. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you, John.